Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast once again from me, Mark Woods, back from our Easter break, stuffed full of chocolate, a few kilos heavier, but you know, it's Easter, you've got to do these things. Anyway, if you want to catch up with any of British basketball's latest news, you can head, of course, to the MVP social channels, just search for the MVP cast, you can get us on Twitter at MVP underscore 24-7, or get us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, we've got... Someone who's louder than, than me when I'm screaming here. And he's a man who knows his way around a microphone. He knows his way around a basketball court. He is the master of ceremonies. He's the master of the master of ceremonies, if you want to put it that way. He's one of the best M MCs in all of the game. He's a good friend of mine. And I'm really glad he's coming on the MVP cast. Simon Hosanna, welcome. Wow. What an intro! Can, can we just can we just stop it there? Well, you know, I thought hard time match him. You know, this is what he'll do before a game. So you know, I have to top trump that in somewhere, or at least you know, <laughs> kind of similar. It's my business. I'm my very addition. impressed. You've obviously been uh, taking lessons. <laughs> it's my addition to be the new Simon Hosanna, having failed. There you being go. The old Simon but there you go. No one wants to be the old Simon Hosanna. I mean, people. Well, you are the old Simon Hosanna, but you know that's fine. Mm. We'll, we'll let that pass. Um, yeah. We we see you at so many games. Yeah. Cup finals, trophy finals. Playoff. You hear me before you see me. NBA games. Well, yes, that is true. But you're on the court a lot of times. You're league finals, mm -hmm. etc. Yeah, and you've become, I guess, one of the, you know part of the furniture of, of British basketball. Um, where did basketball start for you? Oh my goodness! Um, it started a long, long time ago. Um, I would guess. It would start from a very, very uh, young age because my brother Roger, Roger Hosanna, was a very, very good basketball player. Um, a lot of people know him from the where he, used to, he had the clothes brand Hosanna um, and used to run a lot of events. But um, a lot of people knew that he was a basketballer, but I don't think it was really recognised just how good a basketballer he was. He was one of the first Brits to actually win a scholarship to the USA. Mm. So he went to the University of South Carolina um, and he went in the same year as uh, Richard Scantlebury. So Roger went to um, South Carolina and Richard Scantlebury went to Coastal Carolina. Um, and we're talking... Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, well, he, he was USC Aiken. Oh. So I think they were the Pacers, I think, because it was a very... It's a very sort of um, racehorse uh, territory. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, we're talking like early 80s. So, you know, it was a long, long time ago when when very few Brits were were actually even thinking about basketball, let alone being good enough to, to pick up scholarships. So um, I was around basketball quite a bit with, with Roger. Um, I played it at school not very well. Not very well at all. And just to give you an example how of how not very well I played and maybe what my role was. Uh, there was one game for for my school, um, school called Eastfields. Um, and we were coached by Kevin Hibbs, who went on yeah. to be GB coach. Yep. And the same school as Richard and Peter Scantlebury. So again, a little bit of heritage there. But I remember there was one game and uh, I would often be on the bench, and I was brought on six minutes before the end of the first half. And um, I picked up my my fifth foul two minutes before the end of the first half. <laughs> that gives you an example of the kind of player I was. I think very much in the same way I play football, very blue collar. But in Roger, again, around that time, and you say when he went to the States, he was a trailblazer. Then he came back mm. and he, you know, he had the, he had this on a clothing brand, which you know, was was really, it was kind of cool. It was a basketball clothing brand mm -hmm. and we all kind of loved it. And he ran the Pro-Am and other events, as you said. And was that kind of a good introduction for you to being around you know, the, the kind of off-court side of basketball? Yeah, totally and utterly because I saw what Roger was going through to try and do anything in British basketball. Um, 
obviously a lot of his sort of knowledge and background was based around America. So he came back to the UK and he was like, why are we not doing stuff in the summer, in the off season? Why are we not putting on tournaments? Why are we, you know, not recognizing that there is such a unity between basketball and fashion and basketball and music? Um, so, you know, he got together with a couple of people, including um, Matthew Ryder, and, and started the first Rough and Ready mm. uh, basketball competition, which now is still being, you know, that's still seen as the blueprint for, for summer tournaments, um, even now. So actually watching what Roger was doing and, you know, a lot of the hard work that he went into getting sponsorship and just fairly much just seeing how how much preparation off the court can make for a really great experience on court that was huge for me and rough and ready at the time i mean obviously people will probably remember midnight madness which was kind of the spawn of Mm -hmm. rough and ready but it was it it was that first tournament it was the first tournament where you got the top brits together you got you know kind of new generation of, of of guys who you know you really had you know talent and then the experience and they you know many of them went to, you know were either in the BBL or went into the BBL but it was really vibrant and exciting. Oh, it was incredible. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. Um, and to have that sort of vision and determination to bring something like that, which had never ever been seen in Britain, you know, at the time. You know, Britain was a very, very sort of old school mentality around basketball. And then you had these young upstarts coming in, um, just trying to shake up the game. And if you think about some of the players that went through Rough and Ready, you know, that's where we first saw Luol Deng. Mm. You know, Andrew Sullivan absolutely exploded there. Um, we saw, um, you know, Luol's brothers playing there as well. I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, the whole vibe of the place and... Again, you know, you could say it was sort of luck, but I actually think it was totally done with an understanding and knowledge that, you know, how um, housing it in Brixton, in, in the rough house, was it totally and utterly the right place for it to be. So when I went back years later to do the um, Hoots Fix All-Star Classics there, you know, you're going, mm-hmm, okay, you know, these guys, they really did see something way back then. I think it was my first visit to Bricks and Rec and, you know, for, for ancient readers or listeners um, <laughs> who will remember that the, the Britpool.com website, which, you know, it, it, by relative terms, appeared in the stone age of the internet. Uh, it, it gave me a first ever visit to Brixton. And, yeah, I heard of this place by reputation. Yeah. You know, people like Jimmy and Jimmy Rogers, but I'd never been there. And I walked through mm-hmm. the door and it was like, wow, this is this is exactly what I was you hoping it, right? for, expecting, yeah. wanted, yep. and pressed by. And it was it was just a great event. And 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 that's where I fairly much learned about MCing. Um by from a guy called Fat Freddy, Fat Freddy M, who at the time was a DJ on um on Kiss FM, which was one of the well the biggest it was like one of the only r&b you know radio stations in the uk at the time and um freddie was i mean he was he was just phenomenal and i used to look at this guy and go oh my god (laughs) how good is he so he was fairly much my inspiration and i learned a lot but see we share it so we have a joint story or a joint inspiration from freddie who I know mm. listens to the podcast from time to time, so I'm going to tell this, and I'm going hey, to take a desight, <laughs> delight in telling you this. I owe my career to Freddie. Because mm. Freddie, as we mentioned him in Kiss FM, he went on to then present a show called Hoops on yep. BBC Radio 5 Live. And, but at the time, Freddie was a columnist, and a, incredible that my scene, we had a basketball newsletter in this country on a weekly basis called Slam Dunk. And uh-huh. Freddie picked up that there was this website called Britpool and gave it a mention mm-hmm. and then it took off and without <laughs> Freddie mentioning it who knows what would have happened I'd be yep. writing about Netball or doing something a lot more corporate right now. <laughs> I'd probably be made more money but so it's all Freddie's fault but um, Freddie is a great guy 
Uh, love Freddie to bits. And he really he is. He he was a is if was and is a phenomenal MC and DJ. Yep, and he and he's a very very nice guy. And and the, and the thing about Freddie is, he's really humble as well. So you know, I came along as this, you know, Freddie, Freddie, <laughs> I want to learn what you do, and 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 he had the patience to sort of you know, tell me when I was going wrong, give me some words of advice, and. Um, I think one of the first things he said to me was, he, he, he went, don't try and be me, be yourself. And when you sit down and think about it, I was like, okay, it makes sense, but it was it would have been quite easy then just to, to try and parrot what he did. Um, but no, I, and I had the pleasure of working with Freddie. Um, we did the USA versus GB games in in manchester so i managed to get to repay um what what freddie had done for me by recommending freddie as being the the commentator for the game mm-hmm. so he was the match announcer and i was the mc for both the um usa women and the usa men's versus gb which are the two Could've gb games the pretty much all of gb's games those are the two i missed because i was on Olympic GD because it was a few days out from the Olympics. It was just yeah, it was just before the no, it was just, just before the Olympics. Just before London twenty twelve. And yeah. again, we're going in stories here. But I um I, I was in a pub in the West End or in the West End, the East End that night and it was one of the, the dodgy pubs. You know, the the pub you hear from the craze <laughs> the, the, the craze. We walked yeah. in and asked if we could have the basketball on instead of the racing on one television. And we got to watch the first half. I can imagine the response. And then Did you get a look? The, we got, we, the entire pub looked at us. It was, only, it was three of us asked if we could watch it. <laughs> and then someone came in at, at halftime. It's clearly someone influential from that parish and insisted yep. that it was turned off because it offended him. And we <laughs> therefore did not see the end of the GBS. Not a basketball game. fan. Yeah. Clearly not. But there you go. These things, you know, they're sent to trust, as we know. It happens. Um, yeah. How did your MC career take off? I mean, you got that sort of, you know, taste of it all, but, you know, you know, some people do the odd game. I, you know, I used to do the odd game. Um, mm. But how did you start to get, you know, pick up gigs and make this a, a regular thing? So again, all thanks to Roger. Um, off the back, I think Freddie, Freddie did um, Rough and Ready, and then Roger did a few, a few years of Rough and Ready, and then decided to start his own tournaments um, with Hosanna Pro Ams. Um, and I think there was Hoops Fest as well, which was the, one of the first ones as well. And I used to be a DJ, so my dad was a a I will call him legendary in the, in the, in his own right. <laughs> um, he was a, a a club DJ in London, so um, I started DJing with my dad doing mobile DJs. Literally, I would be like the. Uh, I, I think looking back at it now, uh, my oldest boy Brad will probably sort of equate me to being like Alan Partridge <laughs> 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 on the ones and twos. Um, so, so, but I knew how to handle a mic. And um, Roger had a very limited budget that he could work with. Obviously, he was doing it all himself, doing it all himself. And he asked me. He said, "Look." do you fancy like commentating an MC in, um, during a tournament? Um, I, and, and I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. Um, it just seemed like the perfect thing. Um, something that I enjoy doing with the DJ and MC in bit, but then also being close to a sport and seeing, you know, these great sportsmen. Um, so, so I was all over that. Um, and that was where my partner in crime at funky town, DJ uh, Mark Len. Leonard, DJ Len, he he was also a DJ, so he came in to do the the music. So he did all the music, and I was the annoying one on the microphone. And that's how we started. Um, and then off the back of that, it was literally just word of mouth. So Roger started getting asked to do a lot more things within British basketball. Um, do you remember? I know you all remember like the RAF Final Fours that. At Cosford. So Hosanna sponsored that. And as part of that sponsorship, we did, we, you know, we did all the sports presentations. So Len did the music. 
which was great for me and Len because we were both in the Air Force. So mm. to go back to Cosford was was fantastic. And I remember we did one of the final fours and there was a guy called Andy, Andy Evans, um, at Imprints. He does all of the the stuff around on on the courts. He makes the courts look great. His son Will now does it. Um, they they've been brilliant for the game British basketball as well. But um, I remember he rang me a couple of weeks after the final fours, and goes, um, Simon. Um, he goes, forgive me for calling you. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I was I was wondering whether or not, you know, I should even ring you about this. But um, please feel free to say no if you don't want to do it. <laughs> However, uh, we have been asked by the promoters of the Harlem Globetrotters to work with them. And I've told them about you and the job that you do. Would you be interested <laughs> in going on tour with the Harlem Globetrotters in the UK? <laughs> and I still remember my face. You know, if, 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 if someone had taken a photograph of me then. I'm like sitting there going, what? Uh, let me think about that. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he rang me a week later and he goes, I'm really sorry to have to call you again. I'm thinking, oh, okay, here we go. It was just, you know, it, it's all a mistake. It's all been cancelled and all that. He goes, would you be able to do a week with the Globetrotters in Scandinavia? <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, I do not believe this. Um so yeah, so for for a number of years, um, DJ Len and myself um, went on tour with the Globetrotters up and down the country and around Europe. Which describe, again, does, for a basketball fan, incredible. Does Just it totally describe incredible. that hanging out with those guys on the road? Because <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they 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 play they play serious, but they also have fun. They 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 really do, and. You're quite right in the fact that they they really do play serious. But if you're doing what they do every single night and you didn't have fun, then the show would not have lasted for as long as it does. Um, But I remember the very first game was in um, Copenhagen. So Len and I had to fly out to Copenhagen and we're at Stansted Airport the night before a very early flight the next day out to Copenhagen. So we're at Stansted Airport and we're just looking at each other going, this isn't really happening. Do not believe this is happening. This can't be true. And all the way through this journey, we're looking at each other going, no, at any minute now, somebody's going to go, ha ha, it's a joke. It's not happening. Can't believe, no, no, I can't believe you fell for it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and we, we got to um, the hotel in Copenhagen um we finally got there went to the um, check-in and said hi um can we check in please a uh, simon hosanna mark leonard and this lady at reception she's looking through everything she went nope sorry we don't have your name and i looked at len i said see i knew it i knew it was too <laughs> good to be true i just knew it was too good to be true we've been pranked like this and she goes are you sure you're supposed to be staying here and i listen i'm going oh I said, yes, we were the Globetrotters. And she went, oh, you're doing the Globetrotters. Hold on a minute. They had a special box over on the side. She goes, oh, yes, Simon and Mark. Yeah, here you go, like that. And that's when we went, okay, this really is happening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we turned up at the gym where they were doing practice. And you could see straight away. I mean, they went, they go so hard in practice. Absolutely incredible. I mean, they're great players. To be able to do what they do, they are very, very talented players. And there were a couple of times when the team that they play against, the Nationals, came quite close. Like, well, they came quite close within like the first five or six minutes. And you could see the um, the, the Globetrotters coach sort of going, guys, look, come on now. These guys want to turn you over like this. And you could see them literally just switch gear and then just destroy the opposition. But every night, even though they had the same show every night, there'd be little things that, uh, you know, someone would say something in a completely different way. We got to know the script quite well. And and we'd be sitting there, Mark and I would be sitting there going, okay, that was different, and just laughing because they, they were, you know, they, they'd find ways to entertain themselves every night because they had to. But they still just put on a great show, which even now, if I was to go to a Globetrotters game today, I think, I would still have a great time. I'd recognise a lot of the the different skits and whatnot, but... You just know you're guaranteed to have a great time. I think 
if I remember, they're on tour over the next few weeks in the UK. So if you haven't seen them, mm-hmm. I think we both recommend. I'd recommend it. it. Go it's see them. It's yeah, great. It's worth once once I'd say once in a lifetime. You can go again, and again. It's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. What what makes a good MC in a basketball situation? So, oh, I say to my son Brandon, who who is now sort of like picking up the picking up the microphone and running with it, um, is a very good MC. One of the first things I've always said to him, like from 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 many years ago when he first came to watch me, I said, for me, the number one rule is you have to be prepared to laugh at yourself. Because um, MCs go out there and they will have a laugh and a joke with the audience. Um, They will try and entertain the crowd. And as the Americans always say, all you British do is just take the mickey out of each other. I'm like, yeah, yeah, kind of. (laughs) It's that British sense of humour. But, you know, if if you're not willing to, you know, have people laugh at you yourself then you lose credibility and also you, you just you just lose the audience more than anything. I remember um doing a a gig for now it was um D Rose mm-hmm. and it was um we, we, we were doing this uh, pop up shop for him in the UK and I was the MC just entertaining the crowd, just keeping them ready as a as a cue to go and meet the great man himself. And we were we had a hashtag and we said, you know, just send a message and we'll give you a shout out and everything. The, the kind of standard MC things. And I was checking my phone for all the messages and a message popped up and I got the microphone and I went, Okay, who is so and so? And I and I called out the guy's name. Like this, and halfway down the line, I see um, I see somebody sort of like going, mm, sort of like trying to shrink into the crowd, <laughs> and I'm going, "Is it you?" Like this, and he go, and all his mates are going, "Yeah, it's him, it's him, it's him." I said, "Come up here," like this. So he came up to the sh- very, very sheepishly to the front of the queue, and I said, "So you're so and so," and he went, "Yeah," and I said, "Right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read out what he has written." I'm going to tell you this now. Do not try and copy him. I am saying this only once. However, this is the tweet that he's just put. He said, I'm standing here in the queue trying to get in to meet the great man. And the MC is very entertaining, but he has the same hairline as LeBron James. (laughs) (laughs) And don't tell me he got bumped to the front of the queue. He he he, he did. I, I I let him in. I let him in in front of the queue, and and everyone just creased up with laughter. But I'm like, you know, because I'm standing there, and I've been taking the Mickey out of people for, you know, an hour or so. You know, what are you wearing? That kind of stuff. And and he got me back. He got me good, and it was funny more than anything. <laughs> so, I I think you've got to have that sort of like self deference as mm-hmm. well. Um. And as he working with the NBA, what that has taught me as well as an MC is you've got to be so flexible and know about getting in key messages and being able to stick to time because there's such a rigid timetable that you have to work to that if you if you go outside by a couple of seconds, you mess up the whole routine, you mess up the whole show. So, um, yeah, some key things there. Flexibility, being able to laugh at yourself. Um, and stick to the time. Give people a flavour of that that production and that pre-production because mm. you know you, you know, I've I've emceed events as well and you know, mm-hmm. like you, you get the, you get a running order which is essentially a timetable of of the whole event from you know yep. probably you know one hour out ninety minutes out two hours out right through to however many minutes after that that the public leave or it all shuts yep. down. And for something like an NBA game. You know, or even a BBL playoff final, which mm-hmm. you'll, you'll do next month at the O2. What's yep. what's the level of detail that you have to embed in your you know learnings, understanding before you even rock up at the venue on a game day? Yeah, really good question, Mark. So, with organisations like Euroleague, who I'll be finishing my career with, um, and the NBA, and I would say the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games, I don't think a lot of people realise just how much preparation goes into it. Mm. 
Um, and why should they? You know, they turn up to see a show and the game. So, um, but, you know, there's like three to four, depending on the organization, there's like three to four days rehearsals before the actual game itself. Um, so with EuroLeague, you know, I fly out to Lithuania on the Tuesday. The first game is on the Friday. So you spend a couple of days running through the program, uh, doing the rehearsals, making sure, you know, you know what the key messages are, making sure that all the videos work. Because games now, you go there, they're full on productions. Um, if you see the crew behind, um, actually behind the scene, it is like a proper full on film theater production um there's so much attention to detail that goes into it um i mean we spend you know one one of the first things i couldn't get my head around uh, when i worked with the nba you know you spend like probably a couple of mornings doing the team introductions because it's such a vital part of the game uh they need to get that right so so in my time, I have been some of the greatest players in the NBA running out onto court in rehearsals. <laughs> so you literally would have five, six people sitting on a bench and then the, the announcer would go, we're in number seven, blah, 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 and you'd run on. So you could be LeBron James one minute. Um, you could be Luol Deng. So um, all of that has to be nailed down properly um so that when the audience do turn up to see the game they get a very very good show because you have to remember especially one of the things that we learned about the basketball about the olympics was not everyone who goes to see a basketball game is a basketball fan mm. you know they go there to be entertained everything's entertainment now they call it sports entertainment for a reason how big a deal for you was it to do those olympics because you know, all of us were involved you know i, I was mm. on a different side of the house within the olympics and you you were on the you know presentation side but we yeah. were kind of part of a big team that was putting it on and making it happen and there was that sort of sense of pride i felt because it was you know yeah. home olympics and you know it, it wasn't for me like a normal games in the sense of being there as a journalist which i've done you know fortunately on a few occasions now but you know you were part of something but you know, for you, was does that feel like was that the pinnacle for you to get that that shot on home turf? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, totally and utterly. Again, when um when Len, when DJ Len and myself, uh, finally got um the call to say that we you know we'd been accepted to work for the London Olympics was I mean it was just one of the best calls I've ever had. And and you're right, there was a certain pride. And again, I don't know if you remember, Mark, but in the run-up to literally the week before um, the game started, there was all this negativity around it. Oh, However, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, it's going to be a disaster. We're going to be embarrassed. The traffic's going to be awful. Nothing's going to work. So you're sort of sitting there going... Actually, I started taking it really personally and going, no, this is going to be fantastic. And I remember the night before um, the very first games happened, the night of the opening ceremony. Mm. I remember sitting there watching the opening ceremony and um, again, watching it with my with my oldest son and my daughter. And we watched this show because it was a show that was being put on for that opening ceremony. And it was just incredible. I remember sitting there going, oh, my God, I've got to follow that. I've got a game tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. We've got to follow that. How on earth are we going to follow that? But it instantly gave you that, that feeling of pride once again and that sort of feeling of being part of something really, really special. And the fact that we had, obviously, both the teams in there in the, in the Olympics as well. Um, the opportunity to call your home team out at your home Olympics, very, very rare. So, um, yeah, it was an incredible feeling. I still, I don't know if you had this, um, there was about six songs that were played over and over again. <laughs> and we, uh, between the two of us, we, we did almost every game. 
and mm. there was about six songs were played. I'm pre- I presume they were played in every venue. I wasn't in any other venue, so yep. I don't know. And there there was a, there was like a playlist Christopher across Nolan all of it. Was the one I remember, and I remember him because I had no idea who it was. Everyone else was mm. a familiar British face. He was who's this guy? Um, mm-hmm. And every time I hear those, I remember when I got married. All of those songs, because my wife and I both worked the Olympics, albeit in different ways. Yeah. All of those six songs were on my playlist for my wedding, <laughs> and I still, whenever I hear them, they take me back to the arena. I couldn't tell you yeah. exactly what any of them are. Just I know probably one was Calvin Harris. That's the only one I yeah. can think of. But it still takes me back. Um, and what a summer it was, and what an event it was. Um, I mean, behind the scenes, obviously, things you know, you, you you're in the back channels. Like you know, it's, sometimes I'm there, sometimes I'm not. But you know, you you get to mm. sort of worm your way around and bump into people. Um, who who's been the favourites? Because you yeah, you've worked a lot of NBA games and Olympic games. So who, who's who's been the coolest guys to meet? I think the only time. I mean, I mean, I mean, and you you know, Mark, you get to speak to a lot of these athletes. And more than anything, you suddenly realise they're just ordinary people. Hmm. They're ordinary people who are very, very talented at what they do. Um, so I quickly realised that I wasn't starstruck anymore. Um, but there's only been a couple of times where I have totally and utterly been starstruck and gone, oh my gosh, and hard to believe but actually lost for words and one of those was at the london 2012 olympics i remember um walking back after a game i just finished the game and i was walking back to the production office and as i turned the corner uh, to walk down one of the um one of the corridors um i suddenly saw a lot of men in suits and i was like okay i have a feeling i know what's coming up here and, uh, and you know suddenly you hear can you move to the side? Everybody move to the side, please. Can everybody move to the side? So I sort of like stepped aside, put my back against the wall. And Michelle Obama walked past because she'd been in the, watching the uh, the USA game. Mm, that's right. And I remember she suddenly stops and looks at me. She goes, excuse me, were you the guy on the microphone? The one in the middle like this? And I was like, <laughs> yes yes ma'am i was like this and she goes can i just say you are absolutely fantastic you had us laughing and that that was one of those moments where i go okay nice. this is unreal this sort of took me back to the harlem globetrotters this is unbelievable and i went thank you very much indeed sort of like managed to get back to the production office sit down and go mm-hmm, okay that was that was pretty cool i think that's one of the few times that i've been absolutely starstruck and what else they're one of the few, so that means there's others. Um, there was another time at the Olympics um, where, again, I was doing um, a USA game. I think it might have been the record USA game where they – was it Nigeria? They, they – they, it was like the highest scoring or the biggest defeat. I think it was USA versus Nigeria. Um, I'm racking my brains. I could Google it and show off right now, but <laughs> well, let's say it was. I, well, yeah, I, I think I think it was. And I remember after one of the timeouts, um, I was on the court doing my little activation bit, and I just finished my activation and was just walking to go back and sit back at the table, and um, the one, the only, Mr. Kobe Bryant. He went, man, can you get off my floor like this? And I remember <laughs> I just looked at him and I went, um, sorry, during timeouts, it's my floor. And he just creased up with laughter. <laughs> and again, it was just like, oh, you British and your humor ooh, ooh, like this. And I went back and I remember telling uh, the guys that I was working with what, and they went, you said what? And I went, you found it funny. So... <laughs> But that's when you look back at that and you go, just the opportunity to having, you know, to be able to have sat very, very close to court and watched someone like him, um, let alone him talk to you and have that sort of banter. Um, yeah, I, I it, it just been very, very privileged, very, very privileged. Yeah, I mean, it's there's that thing where you you get the you get the best seat in the house. 
and you know you had yeah. that yeah. Magic, and you had the best seat in the house. You're as close to the action as you're going to be unless you're unless you're suited up and playing. So yeah. you've done a lot of NBA games, and but also Euroleague games, and yeah, Euroleague Final mm-hmm. Four is kind of a naturally it's not a, a home crowd that their first language is English, so you're you having mm-hmm. a kid around. It's a kind of different vibe to NBA. How do you alter? What, what will we see different between what you might have done in an NBA game to what you'll do at the O2 to what you'll do in Lithuania? Ooh, I think EuroLeague. EuroLeague, it's just the atmosphere is incredible. I mean, European fans take it to a whole nother level. Um, you know, an example of that was um, I did the EuroLeague Final Fours in Istanbul, and we ended up with a final between I want to say Olympiakos, Fenerbahce or Galatasaray. It was basically a Greece-Turkey final mm. in Turkey, and that that atmosphere there was just incredible. So you don't really is known with not so much a focus on, you know, if you're supporting so-and-so, make some noise like you would do at a BBL game. Um, because obviously the British crowd are a bit more reserved than, say, a Turkish crowd or a, or an Israeli crowd. Um, so so you don't really have to work so hard on generating that, that sort of noise and that sort of spirit because they're already there. They're already letting you know exactly who what team they're sporting. Um, so I think that is, I think with the EuroLeague, um, they've got some wonderful sponsors, wonderful activations as well. So it's making sure that, you know, you're, you're, you're getting those, those names out there, those names correct. Um, because, you know, they, they pay their money, so they deserve to, to be recognised for the support that they're giving the game. Um, so I think that would be, probably be a key thing. I think with the NBA, again, it was just kind of very much a, whilst I said I try not to be starstruck, there is that understanding that you're watching some of the best athletes in the world. Um, so So whenever I did an NBA game in the UK, it was just reinforcing, look, you know, let's not take away from the fact how lucky we are to actually be here witnessing this, um, and that, and making sure that people realise that it was a special moment that they were taking part of, that they were being part of, or being witness to. So I think those are the key key differences. Is there any? I mean, there was a talk after doing the NBA games in London of you doing. I can't remember if it was the Nuggets, the Knicks, or something. You'll you'll, you'll remember of, of an NBA yep. team that was going to invite you to do a game in the states. How close did that come to happening? Um, very close, actually, and it was one of my favourite teams, um, one one of my favourite cities in America. It was Detroit, so the Pistons had been over um, to London as part of the Global Games. And, you know, they had a great organization. I got on very, very well with the organization as well. And we had discussions about me going and doing it full time over there. Um, but at the time, it just wasn't wasn't right. It wasn't right for the family situation that I was in then and my work. So, so I decided against doing that. But, um, yeah, that, that, that would have been pretty cool. That would have been pretty cool at the time as well. Um, I know a lot of the American MCs now, but... Um, that I've worked with, um, and you, I, you know, obviously now with social media, you get an opportunity to see the kind of things that they do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do look back at that and go, mm, mm, yeah, would have been interesting, <laughs> but I made the right decision, I believe. <laughs> and, and that sort of segues into another one what was what's your favorite half time you've ever had at an nba game or maybe a favorite time out perhaps right i'm i'm gonna go back to the olympics no no this is not um, the, this is not the correct answer to this question <laughs> oh well, well can i just go all right can i go back to the best halftime entertainment i've seen this is not the correct answer to this question this is this is the favorite moment that you've had during a break and play of an nba game 
Um, and you weren't the MC. And I wasn't the MC. No, you were the beneficiary of the MC. But you were on centre court. Do I need to lead you into this story? Like spell it out. A spelling it out <laughs> is the clue here. Would it? Would it? Would it be Madison Square Garden? It could be. Tell us it about this be. and how it came about and how you engineered this. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you about the Olympics and my favourite activation. Um, no, again, just being lucky enough to work with um, the great people at um, the NBA and their sports presentation. I think it's LP&E, Live Production and mm. Entertainment. Yeah. Um, they were brilliant. So, obviously, my now wife, Victoria, who she's a big basketball fan as well. Very good uh, table official. That's good. He's a very, very mm-hmm. good table official. Um, but she's the latest fan, but we won't talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Glory Hunter back in the day when they, when they were winning things, but okay, that's a whole nother thing. But, um, at the time, um, I was going to ask Victoria to marry me and I just wanted to do something that, that had basketball in it just because it was a big part of our lives. And through the good people at the NBA, they put me in touch. They said, look, we've got a couple of options. Um, we can either use the Sixers because the Sixers have very recently been in, in London and I'd got on very, very well with them. They've got a great MC called Christian Crosby. Um, I think he's just released a track, actually. <laughs> so, um, yeah, check him out on social media. Very, very funny. Very, very good. They've also got one of the best mascots um, in the NBA as well. So check him out. Uh, Franklin, I believe it is. Um, but I had the option of basically doing something with the Sixers. And then they said, we do know the people at um, the Knicks very well. So you might be able to do something at Madison Square Gardens. Again, that's one of those moments where you go, sorry, what? Pinch me. <laughs> sorry, what? So um, I was like, that would be nice. Could we could we potentially have a look at that, please? And they were like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then we had further discussions. And yeah, I ended up um, getting engaged in the middle of a New York Knicks versus Toronto Raptors game. Um, I think it was in the second half. It was in a timeout in the second half after we'd um, seen a halftime entertainment by Fat Joe. So um, not only was it not only was it just a very very special moment, but it also gave me an opportunity to do something I don't often do on a basketball court, which was to take a shot. So as part of the activation, I mean, Vic had no idea whatsoever. She thought we'd be dragged out to take part in a competition, and as part of the activation, I had to take some free shots. I think I had thirty seconds to make as many free throws as I could possibly make. And then, depending on how many free throws I made, they would then the cheerleaders would then turn around a num- uh, um, some number boards that they were holding, and I say numbers, they were letters. On each one of the boards had an individual letter, and we then had to work out what the you know what was the name of the I think it was a tourist attraction. They said mm. so we had to name a tourist attraction that they would uh, as the right answer. And if we got the right answer, we would win some prizes. So I stepped to the free throw line. And there is video footage of this available. So I actually hit the first one. I swished the first one. Here I am making a free throw at Madison Square Gardens in the middle of an NBA game. Hit the first one. Missed every single shot after that. I mean, it was it was shocking. Mark, it was awful. Again, the video is there. I was I I was doing air balls left right and center. You could literally hear the crowd sort of go, "Oh my god, we feel sorry for this guy. This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing." I think I silenced Madison Square Gardens with just how bad my shooting was <laughs> from the free throw uh, from the um, free throw line, but then which also later, answers you, an... had, you had them on their feet. <laughs> But it also answers another question, you know, why I'm an MC and not a player. Um, that, that, you know, in those 30 seconds, it absolutely summed that up. And then I had to go back to the, it was the walk of shame back to the, um, to the center circle. And the MC says to me, he goes, okay, you made one shot, but we're going to give you three opportunities. So they turn around three boards. 
and this tells you know this tells you my, my how how lovely my wife is she went they've given you three you only hit one i'm like yeah thanks for reminding me yeah <laughs> you can't take the table official out of her at all and uh, when they turned the board around um vic was trying to guess what the attraction was and then slowly and surely it uh, appeared you know it was the board spelled out marry me and um yeah the whole the whole place just absolutely erupted and um i remember fat joe coming up to me afterwards going man congratulations what would you have done if she said no <laughs> and it was like <laughs> i'm only now thinking about that <laughs> Because when I when I originally told um, Vic's dad what I was planning on doing, he was like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> <laughs> but it all worked out really, really well. So here you are, yeah. two, two kids, Lovely several moment. years later, and it was, it was very indeed, cute. indeed, indeed. Um, Living in Scotland, it all worked very well. Indeed, yes, you've, you've moved to the to the, the motherland. Um, indeed, I don't um, we all where the sun always shines, except on most days of the year. Um, indeed. Next month's going to be an interesting one for you because mm-hmm. you're calling time in this this long and great journey and adventure as an MC, um, and it's kind of been an odd couple of years for you. And I guess the, these two things are not unrelated because twenty twenty one. I've got the year right in this one. I hope. Um, yep. Life kind of changed massively. Um. Yeah. It changed massively, you know, and it was a lesson in never take for granted what you have. Um, I can throw off a couple of cliches in there, you know, you know, live life to its fullest, like it's your last day. So it was in the middle of lockdown. Um, I was doing my nine to five, my proper job. I was working from home. I was on a call, a team's call. Uh, with one of my clients and a colleague and halfway through this call my colleague actually texted me and she went are you okay and I messaged her back and I went yeah I'm fine why and she goes oh just checking you you see you sound like you're not okay and I was like no I'm fine and then the rest of the story continues from her point of view she was like no, I'm, there's something wrong. So she rang my boss and said, I'm really worried about Simon. Can we just check he's okay? My boss then picks up the phone and rang Victoria, my wife, who happened to be shopping, um, and said, look, you know, we're a bit worried. Can you can you just check with Simon? So she jumps in the car, drives home, finds me flat out on the kitchen floor. Um, and, yeah, I'd had a stroke. And there are so many things that if things had gone correctly, I wouldn't be here right now. Mm. You know, if my colleague hadn't spotted that and made the call and if Vic was only just down, wasn't just down the road, because with a stroke, obviously, it's the speed of of getting um, attention first aid mm. to you. So, so, yeah, I ended up in hospital for three months. Um, can't say enough about the the medical staff at the Fourth Valley Royal Hospital, uh, which is quite close to me here in near Falkirk. Um, they were brilliant. Um, but basically, the stroke, I was paralysed down my left side, so had no movement at all in my arm or leg. Um, and yeah, three months in hospital tells you the sort of seriousness of it. And the, the rehabilitation that I had to do just to get some basic movement back in my in my leg and arm so um luckily enough i'm surrounded by some wonderful people i've got some great people around me family and friends around me um victoria has been incredible uh, when you consider as well that we've got three-year-old twins that she was also having to look after at the time she was planning for the wedding we were planning on moving house um so i i have i, I don't have words enough to just to express how strong she is and 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 the sort of fortitude that she showed to get me back to where I am now. I work for a fantastic company as well, who've been great in my rehabilitation. And I'm not going to lie to you, Mark. You know, there were there was a time where I didn't think I was going to leave hospital. 
that I would ever, ever pick up a mic- microphone again and and do something that I absolutely loved. So the fact that I'm sitting here now talking to you and, you know, being able to still do what I love doing and actually announce my retirement on my own terms as such, it's it's truly a blessing, absolute blessing. I mean, for someone, I mean, I, for all the time I've known you, which is a long time now, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're you so full of energy and you're so vibrant. Hmm. And that, you know, see, that's part of the... Yep. the act and the performance that comes with it. But yeah, that's just naturally who you are. And yep. it must have required quite a lot of patience the last few years because you're, you know, you're, you're pretty good, but you know, you can still see it at times. Mm-hmm. You know, so you walking around. I mean, that it must require an infinite amount of patience to adjust and wait a little bit and push yourself to, to get better. Yeah. But you know, you know, what I always say, Mark, I've got a lot to to live for and be positive for. So, you know, we've got, I've got, as I mentioned, I've got a wonderful family. We've got the twins who, you know, I'm determined to see them grow up into wonderful young men. Um, my eldest son, like I said, he's now, you know, a very, very good MC, works with uh, the Lions, and I was lucky enough to do the uh, BBL trophy game with him recently in Birmingham. And he'll be coming to Lithuania with me to do the final fours. So it's having that sort of inspiration around me as a driver um, more than anything. But it's also given me a huge appreciation of, of how strong the human body can be. And, you know, if you have the right desire, the right temperament, then you can fairly much do whatever you want to do. Um, And the sort of final thing that I learned was as much as my rehabilitation has been physical, um, you know, just trying to get the left side of my body working again, um, it wouldn't have happened unless you had strong mental um, health as well. So... I've been working a lot on my on my mental um, strength more than anything, as well as um, the physical side of things. So, you know, I, I I will never be that MC again that will race up and down, you know, um, seats and run to the top of an arena or whatever. I I just can't do that now. So, the times where I have been able to go out and MC now, I just do it in a different way now. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's one of the reasons why I've decided to call it quits just because I fairly much can't do what I used to do, but then which in itself is a frustration. Anyway. That's just old age. Totally. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and at some, and, no, no, you, but you, but you're quite right. You know, <laughs> Len and I, Len and I had had been having discussions about when we were going to retire, we were like, okay, we'll do the Olympics. And that will be it because, you know, we're not going to get much bigger than the Olympics in your, in your home country. What's that, 11 years ago? So um, still doing it now. Um, but, but yeah, um, like I said, the biggest, the biggest glory for me has been the opportunity to do it on my own terms um, and with the knowledge that I can hand over the microphone to a whole bunch of new MCs that are out there and a BBL that is in a much better place than when when I first joined. So, and, and when I first started doing what I do. So, there's a lot to be positive about with regards to it. I mean, to, yearly fan four falls just after BBL. So yearly fan four is is the kind of curtain call. And um, mm-hmm. but obviously BBL playoff is home turf, and everyone knows yep. you and adores you there. And um, what's the kind of emotions going to be like over those two weekends? Um, I'm not going to lie. I will probably shed some tears um, in London, you know. And again, I, I, I think back and I've just been so lucky in so many different situations and the opportunities that I've had and the opportunity to finish it at the O2, you know, one of the greatest arenas in, in not just Europe, but in the world. 
but then to do my final gig at the Euroleague Final Four in Lithuania, which is, you know, you think about basketball, it's the Euroleague is, is, is massive. And, mm. and you're right, Lithuania is a mecca. And, and the organisations that I work with, they are fantastic. So I think London, um, Vic and, and the twins, my three-year-old twins, they're travelling down as well. Um, ideally, I'd like to get as much of my family there. Um, even though I live in Scotland and I love Scotland, it's what I call home. You know, I'm a Londoner. I'm a London boy. Always will be a London boy. So, so yeah, that's going to be very emotional. In my, you know, in my, in my town, in London town, in front of my family, saying goodbye to a hobby, a pastime, that I've been lucky enough to enjoy for many, many years and that I love. I'm going to ask you one question before we kind of like the idea here. So your mm-hmm. son-in-law, he's, he's, yes. he's also right for himself, Troy Deeney, who's now I've played for Birmingham City, but, you know, of, of Premier League fame. Um, yeah. He said a few weeks ago he'd quite like to buy a BBL franchise in Birmingham. Was he serious? Yes, he's very serious. You know, without without you sort of like giving away any confidences um he is very very serious um more than anything he he loves sports and he's he's one of these really annoying people that um anybody who's heard him with with football punditry knows he's such a great pundit mm. which is why he's in big he's in a lot of demand as a pundit um for football but when, once he gets into a sport, he really gets into it. So um, my daughter, Alicia, um, she's a big basketball fan. She didn't have a choice, really, with me as a dad, really. So um, <laughs> um, obviously, when they got together, he then really started taking an interest in basketball. And like I said, when he gets into something, he really gets into it. So he does. he's done so much research on it. Um, you know, when we, we've just come back from spending Easter um, with them. And I think I watch more NBA there over the weekend than I have all season. You know, he always watches like the American sports shows. He's a big fan of those um, as well. Um, and more than anything, he's a Brummy. He loves Birmingham. So, um, you know, if that opportunity is there, then... He would absolutely, I think, want to want to investigate it or want to look into it and see if it is possible. And he'd be great for the city and and for that franchise. And he might tempt you back if he got the franchise. He might tempt you back to do a game. You'd like to think so, right? Yeah, you and Brandon, you know, just keep it in family. I mean, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be cheap. I mean, because you get family rates. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah, why not? Although, although. Although, as his dad, I can tell you that there's nothing cheap about Brandon <laughs> at all. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and and again, you know, he's cutting his teeth at the Lions. Who, when you look at what they're doing, um, he couldn't be a better place, really. So, you know, if he could help with 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 Birmingham sports presentation, you know, he'll have a lot of experience with that as well. So yeah, Brandon, Brandon would be yeah, terrific. Cut what he does and I'm sure he's uh, I'm sure he's going to yep. be around for quite a while to come um, it's been a hell of a ride it's been fun sharing a lot of it, it, it really you? has we've, we've, we've had plane trips and cabs and rented cars and various can you remember can you remember meeting we, we'd meet up on random on flights wouldn't we at Edinburgh airport at yeah. silly o'clock in the morning because we're those people <laughs> yeah well we're both, yeah, we're both we're heading off. down south to do our day jobs or whatever <laughs> it was doing yeah so when the back in the days when there was flights and we flew when places were, we flew places yeah 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 Sorry. no we just do teams but you know yeah. <laughs> isn't it great um, it's a whole new world <laughs> it is some of it good and some of it one of me do without yes yeah um Enjoy the last few weeks and months of this. Um, I'm sure we'll not lose you to basketball completely. I'm sure we'll still hear oh, you I'll just be here. from the sidelines and you'll still be the loudest yeah. person in the room. I, apolo- I apologise to everybody in advance who has to sit next to me at a game, <laughs> uh, screaming and shouting. But it is, it, it's been a pleasure. And um, 
yeah, enjoy enjoy well, continued parenting, grandparenting, and um, all the other stuff. I'm sure you'll they'll drag you along to Falkirk Fury about you. Yeah, thank you very much indeed, Mark, and I look forward to uh, catching up with you at one of those games. Yeah, we'll go we'll go to a Fury against Knights. That will be a nice quiet night, wouldn't it? Yeah, on your own. Thanks very much, Simon, <laughs> for joining the MVP cast. That is it for this Cheers, edition. Um, don't forget that you can follow our sponsors at Smarkets and get your NBA playoff previews. Just search for Smarkets NBA News and you'll get my weekly previews of everything playoff in the NBA. If you want to get all the previous editions of the MVP cast, you can head to our website at mvp247.com or head to your preferred podcast provider and click the word subscribe. And if you can, leave us a review, preferably and nice. That's it for this edition of the MVP cast. We'll have another one very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much as always for your company. And it's goodbye.